in this corner. Eddie Gagnon. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. My name's Eddie Gagnon. <laughs> that was perfect. Kristen. Your voice. Hi, everyone. We're finally back after a long break. We have a great guest this week, and it was a blast speaking with her. This was like a therapy session for us, and we hope you get as much out of it as we did. It's a little long, so we'll let you get right to it. So, welcome, Tiana. Thank you for joining us on our show today. We're super excited. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Actually. So, Tiana is a clinical therapist working in a private practice. Uh, you focus on perinatal mood disorders, and much like uh, postpartum depression and things like that. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. It's it's an amazing adventure being able to work with new moms, expecting moms and dealing with all the things that happen, you know, after you give birth, a lot of the mental health issues that come because once you have a baby, everyone forgets about you. Right. Yeah. It's all about it's all about the baby. So (laughs) so in our in our private practice, we're really focused on the wholeness of the mom and making sure that she's physically, mentally, emotionally uh, have her well-being so that she can go forth and, you know, do that mom thing and take care of her child. Yeah. I wish that was in like every practice. Like I wish, like I went to a midwifery place for my, for one child and then to the hospital for another child. And both times I had, obviously with Eddie, we had a difficult time just processing everything. But even with my daughter, we, I had a tough time kind of, I was away from family and everything and I had a tough time processing and you feel alone. And, you know, sometimes I think after you're done having the baby, the doctor's office is like, okay, move it on to the next pregnant woman. And you're not really, you're kind of just there for your checkups and making sure that everything's still working right. And the mental capacity, you know, the, other than filling out that one little survey that just says, how are you feeling today? There really isn't a conversation. So I think it's super important to have that resource when you go to your doctor. Absolutely. And uh, so I work with postpartumwell.com. That's the website you can go to postpartumwell.com. But postpartum wellness is really like we are like the 7-Eleven shop. I love it because um, what we do is we make sure that women kind of have everything in this one-stop shop. So we do therapy, but we also have like sleep experts and potty training experts and people who do massages. So we really try to like give this all encompassing experience to women so that they can feel loved on because it's hard you know, being that new mom. And like you said, if you don't have that family that's near, I mean, and then COVID, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. you, you don't have, you can't have, you know, mom come help you for a few months if she was willing to do that or, you know, have a friend come and cook a casserole at your house. You kind of got to be able to manage things by yourself. So really trying to keep your mental health in check is so important. Yeah. And I think like when you're pregnant, there's so much focus on, taking care of your body and taking care of your well-being and, you know, everything. There's so many things out there. There's, you know, 
I, I can't even tell you when I was pregnant how many times someone will go, oh, go get this massage. It's specially for pregnant people. Go do this yoga class. It's specifically, there's like no, like, oh, go take this yoga class. It's specifically for new moms. New moms. <laughs> I, I would have needed that so bad after I had my child, like to just know I could go somewhere and just settle my mind and be ready. Look, you're, you're preparing yourself as, especially when you don't have kids. I was just like, oh, this is so great. It's going to be so easy. It's like, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> There's no way to prepare you for what you're walking into as a new mom. Exactly. The transition is crazy. And I always tell people, no matter how ready you think you are, you're never ready. No. <laughs> Whether or not it's your first one or like me, my fourth, I'm just like, you're never ready because you got to add to that pot and you got to, it's never going to be that perfect temperature. It's never going to be like exactly how you planned it in your head. Yeah. And it's different every time. Mm -hmm. Like my experience with our son was such a different experience than with my daughter. There were so many similarities in my pregnancy and afterwards, but everything was so different. And Absolutely. Th there's no way to know. So even if like, you know, your mother or anybody comes to you and says, this is what it's going to be. It, there's just not enough yeah, words right. to describe it and get you to understand what changes your body changes. You have to get used to that. Your mental capacity, like everything just is adjusting. Like that whole, like I said, like three, I think my whole argument was like after both kids, like three days in, everyone goes through a depression. Your whole body <laughs> just like dumps all of this emotion three days in. Cause you're in such a high in the beginning. And then like, I feel like it was like just after the day we got home, I just like dumped everything emotionally. And I just like sat in bed and cried for a whole day. And I was like, no one told me that's normal. Like you're, right, you're right. supposed to just dump all those emotions at some point. Like I would have liked to have known that I wasn't losing my mind. I mean, your, your body goes through like this crazy, like what the heck just happened? Cause I mean, you, Hey, you just birthed a human being. That's kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a husband who honestly in this conversation, I just feel like a lifeguard at the Olympics um, <laughs> where I'm just kind of useless, but I'm there. Um, you know, it, that's kind of the thing. One of the things was we, we did discuss about like postpartum depression being a, a potential, potential thing after, you know, our, our first and our second. Um, but what was kind of intriguing was I would have this conversation with other friends that were expecting fathers and it'd be like, Oh, you know, like, make sure you keep an eye on that. You think about that. And they're like, what, what is that? And you're like, Oh man. Like, so there's a thing that can happen, you know, that the, it, it, we kind of go through the, well, I go through my gist of it. It's like, you know, the, the mother has mm -hmm. this child inside of her. And then when she gives birth, it's like, you kind of, you miss that comfort, but then you have this added stress of a new baby. You have all of these different things changing in your life. Also just trying to heal up and regain, you know, your self mm -hmm. uh, as you know, cause now you're coming nine months off of having a different body essentially. And so mm -hmm. it's just, I find it, kind of a, a thing where I, I found it a mission to kind of have that conversation with my friends when they're expecting and stuff and be like, Hey, just make sure you keep an eye on these things and, you know, be there, be the support system. Cause uh, when it's just you and her, that's, you have to be that 50% or if not yeah. more, because she just did it most of the work. Well, I think it's important too. Like we talked a lot about it beforehand because I had some depression, anxiety, things like that coming well, but like years it going on before I, we got pregnant. Yeah. So our biggest fear was what's going to happen. But there's no preparation for the fact that it's a whole different feeling. I, I went years managing anxiety and depression from what my norm was. But that postpartum was such a different feeling that you just you don't know how to manage it. You don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to wrap your head around it. You think, OK, now something's wrong with me. 
Absolutely. And and I mean, you made a great point when you already are dealing with anxiety and depression, you are more susceptible or higher risk of getting postpartum depression. And so I'm glad that you were able to have those conversations. And Mr. Lifeguard, you did awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Your prep work. I was trying. <laughs> Because no, it's so important to have that support. It's so important because nine times out of 10, the person who's going to notice that you're going through a situation is going to be that person who's with you, who's not you, Mm -hmm. because you're in this fog. You're not really seeing what's happening. You're not realizing that you're snapping more. You're not realizing that you're crying over Dorito, Dorito commercial, you know, when your baby's eight months old, when when the baby's two months old, that's totally normal. If you're crying at Dorito commercial. Yeah. He's still crying at the I Rito's cry over everything. <laughs> Eight years later. I mean, so I'm not the only one that watches a Subaru commercial and afterwards I'm like, where's my now? I want a Subaru. <laughs> That's Eddie every time. Those horses were beautiful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that puppy ball. Oh. Um, but it's, it's so great that you as a spouse were able to like really get into and understand what postpartum depression is. And then tell your friends because letting them know, because it's something that it can really catch. It can really catch the husband off guard. It's just like, because you're like, did she just like go exorcist on me right now? And I have no idea. All I asked her is if she wanted, you know, a potato. Like, Mm -hmm. and and so it can be really, it can be really challenging for you as the husband to really figure out what to do and how to support her the best way. And, you know, men also go through a a form of perinatal mood disorder. So it's always known as postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. But we've recently, the research has really shown that men go through a form of postpartum depression as well. So it's when you bring a new life into your home, things just change. Um, Everybody's lives change. So there may be times where even as even as the partner, you're feeling more irritable, you're feeling, you know, more frustrated, more stressed, overwhelmed. You're too much. <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. Yeah. No. But, but Me? So, no. you're like, not at all. Yeah. So it's really important just to really understand what the symptoms of, of perinatal mood disorders are, you know, feeling that extra anxiety, feeling extra tearful, and sometimes just kind of really not being able to focus in on things, having bad memory. Uh, you know, they always talk about, you know, you have the mom fog or you're like, nope, I got that pregnancy brain. Well, after you have a baby, you also have that, that pregnancy brain. Well, yeah, you're sleep deprived. You're- <laughs> yes. We you're call it mommy brain. Right? It's mommy brain exactly. in the house. You're like, yeah. Eddie, you know, I have mommy brain going on right now. <laughs> like, okay. And then I blame it on my other kids. So I'm like, I cannot find my Apple Watch. I'm sure one of my kids had hidden it and I did not just lose it and put it in the freezer, right? Oh, <laughs> I'm terrible. I blame- it wasn't me, Eddie. I tell you. It, it was, it, then it's the ghost. Oh, yeah, Chris. It's, it's the ghost. That's I'm the terrible. Most I bla- I go straight. I Poor Annabella. I'm always like, because she's just at that age where she borrows my stuff all the time. So- it is a regular occurrence that I leave something somewhere or lose something. And I'm like, Annabella took it. And he's like, are you sure Annabella took it? Because well, she Poor will admit Annabella. when she does it. But then other times she's like, oh, oh wow. Did you hear that? <laughs> that is hilarious. That's our, his, That's brother. my brother-in-law. And his ringtone is the Dan his name's Daniel. Daniel. Right. How are you going to yeah. cut that out? Fantastic. We should leave that in. That was great. I think you should leave it in. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> We've been getting more and more like better, like well, it's also just leaving the organics. Too much time to, to edit. Do yeah, it does take a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but okay, so we're gonna we're gonna so, dive deep into that. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll go into our. So tell us a little bit about you, yourself, your story, where'd you come from, 
How'd you get here? All that kind of stuff. So one day there was a man and a woman who really loved each other. (laughs) (laughs) So so I am originally from Michigan. Um, I am a, I am a person who loves to travel. So when I got out of high school, I was like, dude, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Like I was like, I know I want to help people. I know I want to be be in service to people, but I have no idea how to do it. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? I joined the Navy. Oh, hey. yeah. So <laughs> I, I went into the Navy. I was in the military active duty for 14 years. Yes. I loved every minute of it. I was able to travel to all these countries. I went on ships. I deployed to different different places. And it was amazing. Um, when I was deployed to Afghanistan, right? So I'm sitting there in like full tactical gear and got a weapon on me. And there's like a rocket attack going on. So I'm like oh. sitting in a bunker. Uh-huh. And I was like, I need to really figure out what I want to do with my life. <laughs> like, like, I think, I think this is the moment where I really yeah. need to make that change. So while I was there, I was already working in the medical field. Um, so I was working as a behavioral health technician. So I already worked in kind of like that mental health setting. Um, but when you get deployed and you, and you have that medical background, when things hit the fan, you're just a, a metal, you have your specialty yeah. <laughs> working in, in trying to save people's lives who were my age, you know, 22, 23 years old. Yeah. And, and and seeing what PTSD does to people in the moment, like watching my my uh, buddies like come back into the wire, into our base and like seeing the look on their face. And you already know, like their life will never be the same because of what they just witnessed. And being able to talk to those people and work with them right on the spot really, really pushed me to say, I really want to go into social work. I want to be able to advocate for, for these people, you know, my brothers and sisters in arms who are out there. And, you know, I never, I never left the base. I was a medical, I was in medical, Mm -hmm. they brought them to me and I took care of them, but there's so many of them who were out there and, you know, they had no idea, you know, when they turned on their vehicle, if they were going to be able to come back and make it back into that garage. And so I really said, I want to work with, with this community and, I did it. I I was in Afghanistan taking like six, seven classes at a time because what else are you going to do when you're in the dirt? Right. (laughs) There's no such thing as working at nine to five. You're always working. So, you know, I really pushed it. I already had some college credits and everything. And and when I came back, I I jumped into school and I got my my master's degree from University of Southern California. And I've been working with military with uh, PTSD. uh, And then I started looking into other forms of trauma. And I really fell in love with dealing with people who are, who were dealing with trauma and birth. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to kind of push those two and two together. Uh, And so backing up just a little bit, when I, when I decided to go to get my master's in social work, I had also had just had my first child. My husband and I had our first, our first child, Aria. And, um, this is once you came back, right? When you came back. Yes. Okay. No, when I was in Afghanistan, I was like, wow, you are really multitasking. That is, that is, that's a woman right there. Baby on one hip, gun on the other while I'm reading my textbook. Pushing out a baby in a bunker. (laughs) Taking classes. I was like, wow. Pushing out a baby in a bunker. Make, well, I didn't know if she got pregnant there. I don't know. (laughs) So no. So once I came back from Afghanistan, uh, my husband and I um, had our first child and, um, and I was like getting ready to go into my master's program. And I was so excited. And because I had worked, I've worked with, with babies before and I was noticing, I was like, something is a little off with like 
almost everything that she's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm going through school. I'm watching her. That's, you know, as we as we kind of get into that. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. I was noticing we were noticing a lot of things that were basically mirroring what I was going to school for. And so I told myself, I was like, "Mm, this is my population. This Mm -hmm. is what I want to do because I'm getting it. I'm, I'm sitting here in this moment and I am this parent that I want to advocate for. Yeah. Because even as someone who spoke the language of healthcare, I was struggling to try to get people to listen to what I needed them to hear from me. I was struggling with saying that I know you got the degree, but she's home with me and I'm seeing something that's not working mm-hmm. and something that you're you're telling me I have this window, but I'm telling you that she's not even in this window. She's still somewhere, you know, on the other side of the room. Yeah. And by the time she didn't hit those milestones, they were looking at me like, well, how come you didn't do this? And how come you didn't tell me? And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so well, a mother, I, like a mother knows best too. Like that's what I've learned. I, that's. Well, we've gone over, we've done it. It's been so many times where I'll sit in a doctor's office and I've been sitting with Eddie. We've actually just recently during COVID, I'm home with him all day long and we've seen decrease in certain functions and things like that. And I'm like, it could be nothing, but I just, it doesn't sit right with me Mm -hmm. and I'm calling and they're just like, well, we're not seeing clinic patients yet. So you just have to wait. And I'm like, I don't want to wait because I know it's, it's sitting and I'm like, something's just off. He's healthy, he's fine, but something's just off and I think it needs to be looked at. You tell me for years, if something changes, call. I'm calling, I'm telling you something's changing and you're like, eh. I think he'll be all right. I'm like, you haven't seen him. <laughs> right. And then the first response is, you know, we'll just watch it. And I'm like, no, I've been watching it. I I, I did my part. Yeah. So I've watched. I need you to do something. And so it, it took us it took us a year to get her diagnosed. Um, and it took us another another year for us to, you know, uh, get the services that we needed for her because, you know, and. I really credit that a lot to me going to school at that same time because I was learning all of this advocacy and all of this policy while I was, you know, doing all this advocacy and yeah. learning about all this policy. And it really just pushed me and pushed me. And so once I finished my my um, my master's, you know, every two years, we just seem to start having kids. Like, <laughs> just happen, just magic. <laughs> it just never stops. It's like every two I'm years. I'm so glad that, that did that not. Month again? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm glad that did not happen in this house. Yeah. I'm just like, wait, we got another one. So, um, yeah, so every two years, we had our children, you know, um, and she was the only one who was still kind of like falling behind. My other kids were, they were moving along, they're following their, their, their milestones. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, I got to I got to make sure that this is a priority. I got to make sure that women out there understand that, first of all, every child is different. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't try to, you know, put them into this category of, well, let me let me follow you know, their sisters or their brother's milestone. Let me let me look at them individually. Um, so we have four girls. I'm sorry for my husband. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry <laughs> for him, too. <laughs> Oh, Should have had wow. him on the show. <laughs> well, he, he she shaved his head, so you know, because he doesn't want to show all his gray hair. <laughs> oh my god! When he comes home, give him a big hug and just be like, "This was from somebody that interviewed me today, but he says he understands." So <laughs> you don't. You. You're not even close. To and that. it's funny because therefore, my my oldest just had her seventh birthday um, in June, and so I literally tell people, "I'm like, yeah, I literally have four girls, seven and under, and." Um, 
it's 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 a it's funny it's funny on a daily basis like i wake up and just get coffee just sit there and just like okay what's gonna happen today yeah like because if i think about it too much i'm just gonna like do that last cry (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's a lot of drama in that house exactly well no i hate to burst your bubble but it only gets worse (laughs) i mean like i already feel like i'm in a sorority like on a regular basis my four-year-old and my seven-year-old like they plot against me on a regular basis my husband is safe because like he's like the fun guy yeah so they're like they're like oh yeah dad he's gonna like make a fort with us and like throw us all over the couches so we love him (laughs) mom's gonna like make us clean our room (laughs) that naval training and like you know battle and stuff is really gonna come back to play a few more years down the road it's it's funny because my husband is also active duty military and everybody's like wait so you guys are like both navy i'm not seeing both of you because like i'm the type of person when i had my first kid i was like i gotta get back in shape I'm going to train for a half marathon. (laughs) That is what everybody says after the first baby. Exactly. So (laughs) within a year of me having a child, I have to, I have to register for a half marathon. Like that's my thought pattern. Meanwhile, my husband's like, they make us run three miles a year. I'm running three miles a year. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so contrast, but it it, it works awesome. (laughs) We balance each other. Well, Absolutely. Absolutely. So now tell us a little bit about your oldest daughter's um, diagnosis and how, where that came from. So um, Aria, like I said, she's seven. Uh, She has a, she has a diagnosis called Soto syndrome. So Soto syndrome is a rare genetic condition. Again, we had no idea what it was. I just knew things were off. So it's characterized by just an overgrowth physically. So like, even when I was pregnant, I'm telling you, like, you would look at me from the back. You'd be like, oh, yeah, she's banging. I turn around and be like, whoa, whoa, you got like triplets in there? Like, <laughs> That's right. My kid was only like seven pounds something. And I people said that. So that's yeah. and that was just too much fast food and really liking to eat while I was sitting at home. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so she was always measuring big, even in utero. Uh, she didn't come out very big. She was only seven pounds, 14 ounces. Um but after she after she was born, she was uh, developing an extra large head. So she was always like off the growth chart on her head. Um, and so doctors are always concerned about that. She was a heavy baby. Like I'm telling you, like the bones in her were real. Like, mm-hmm. And so she was growing really, really fast. But she wasn't being able to like, for example, it took her like a week and a half to really keep her eyes open for any like long period of time. Uh, of it, like she would open literally for like maybe five seconds and then they would close for the rest of the day. Huh. Uh, and I was like, that's pretty strange. I mean, like she's she, she not looking at me. Um, it took her about six months to really hold her head for a long periods of time without like having it droop. Uh, she didn't sit up until she was about 10 months she didn't start crawling until she after she was one so it, it took the developments were were slagging a lot mm-hmm. and I was noticing that very early mm-hmm. like she wasn't doing the cooing it was hard for her to track track our movements and everything so the whole time I'm telling the providers I'm like hey every time I'm coming you guys are giving me this form I'm marking no on everything I'm letting you know that I yeah. feel like something is off Ah, oh, just wait every bit baby has their own different ways. You know, it's, it's, we're just looking at it, keep checking it out and then let us know the next time. So finally I just get on the computer and start doing mom research. Right. Which can be very scary because if you hit Google and you like type in like headache, you're like, Oh my goodness, I have a week. You have type three brain cancer. (laughs) 
And, and so it can really, really like trip you out. So I was going down all these rabbit holes and it was really affecting my mental health because I was so concerned that, oh, my goodness, something may be wrong with her blood and something yeah. may be wrong, you know, with her her ability to be able to function later in life. And it was all these different rabbit holes I was going down until finally I sat down with my doctor one day when she was about one. And I said, can I get one of your residents to come see, you know, like a training thing? Mm-hmm. Is that OK? So here's my here's my thought pattern in that. So residents, right. They're just getting out of school. Yeah, that's so creative. They've just been looking in books like for like years. They just love flipping their books. And so when I brought, when they brought the resident in, I said, hey, like, so I know you're in school. Have you guys like ever been like looking at some stuff that you're like, wow, I've never seen this before, like in one of your books. Like if you look at her head and if I'm telling you all this stuff, literally an hour later, he came back with one of his medical books and was like, he has Soto syndrome. And like, literally I had such a flood of emotions and I like, just like start bawling right there. Like I'm holding her like away from me so that she can't see me crying. And I'm just like, I knew it was something. And I knew it would take somebody who was thinking outside the box mm-hmm. because unfortunately a lot of, a lot of times the doctors in the healthcare system, they, I mean, they do the best that they can, but they're seeing so many people. And they're just used to the flow that they're used to. Yes. And so sometimes getting someone who has fresh eyes and a fresh look on things is so important. And I'm so glad that I had that, that thought to just say, let me get somebody who's not been doing this for 10 years Mm -hmm. and is just completely blowing it off. Let me find somebody who's willing to look into it like an investigator with like fresh eyes and knowing, knowing that. I was right. And that there was something going on with her that not only not only was affecting her physically, but Soto syndrome also affects them uh, intellectually. Uh, so, like, like I said, she wasn't babbling. The talking was not working. The walking wasn't even she didn't walk until a week before I gave birth to my second child. So she was about two Wow. Um, before she was able to even take a few steps on her own. And she was, her gait was still wobbly. She's seven right. and still like, there's no like jumping down a stair or something like she has to really maneuver herself and take her time yeah. uh, much better, but she still, you know, she still has to work on it. So it, it took, it took me a long time and a lot of uh, emotions to really push through that. And then because Soto syndrome is a rare disorder, it's not it's not a, you know, what I consider like a big disorder that that people really pay attention to, like autism or, you know, Down syndrome. Having getting those services was really difficult for us. Right. Uh, we spent about a year and a half just paying out of pocket because I, was like, I cannot wait for the healthcare system to catch, catch up. up to the needs that we have. So we were taking her to physical therapy. We were taking her, you know, to occupational therapy. And we're like, you know what, if we have to just pay for it ourselves, it's better than letting her sit here for Mm -hmm. another few years, knowing that if you guys just work with her, you know, how do we stop? How do we stop? You know, the drooling when, I mean, she was three and a half and she was, I had to wear those like cool little bibs that you make out of shirts. I had to make those for her because she was three and a half and she was still drooling. Um, when she was four, she only had a vocabulary of less than a hundred words. And so it, it, it made us really push to get our own services so that we can, we can make sure that she's good. Now she's in her second year of, of kindergarten. So she's getting ready to go to first grade. And I mean, she's thriving. She's doing so much better. Um, we're, we're still dealing with a lot, but mm-hmm. yeah. wow. The, the, 
just getting those services was just so important. Well, I think that that you just hit the nail on the nail on the head right there that get, you know, you pushing so early when she was so young is such you know, a huge thing. And it's not to take anything away from parents that just maybe didn't recognize a, you know, a sure. symptom or, or sooner because, you know, we've been there too. <laughs> we've been in both spots. We were in a position where we, you know, got stuff for services for a child right off the bat. Um, and we've been in a position where we haven't. Um, and being on both sides of that, like I have empathy for both, you know, and I understand in the challenges are hard when you're running every day, you, it's your child is your child. So you don't always see anything different because like you said, every, like the way the doctors explain, like every child is different and they're all on their own path. And so you kind of give yourself that same narrative and mm-hmm. you're just like, Oh, well, they're just not great at, you know, gross motor skills. I wasn't either. I do that a lot. Like I'll say, Oh, I wasn't either. You know, you compare myself to it. But then what I'm forgetting is that that some of those things may be adding to a a later struggle. Mm -hmm. And so catching, you know, we've said it many times that I totally believe like every child can benefit from birth to three. And what we call it, what do we call early intervention here? Mm -hmm. Huge for, you know, having little Eddie in that and seeing other kids thrive through that. And every time I was there, I'd be like, every kid should have this. Yes, you know, absolutely. It's so and, beneficial. And I, I found that I found that also, you know, like you said, uh, sometimes you're just kind of running through things and you're going so fast and you're just kind of like, okay, well, they'll, they'll catch up eventually. And it really, it really was, you know, me going into places where I would be exposed to other kids her age that it really kind of caught my attention even more because I was fine. Like I'm fine if I have to, you know, help you to make sure that you don't have food on your face. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'm, I used to like, I tell her all the time, like even now, like she laughs at it now, but I'm like, you are so Dory. And so she'll still (laughs) laugh at me. She's like, well, I'm like, you're so Dory. I'm not Dory because like literally you can tell her something. And then once you tell her that, like, 13 seconds later, she'll completely forget that whole conversation. And then you have to like re remind her, okay, remember we just talked about this. You were supposed to go upstairs and get some socks and then she'll go upstairs and then she'll come back down with like a book. Yeah. I'm like, no, we said we'd go upstairs and get the sock. And so, you know, oh, and so executive, she about those executive because, functioning skills, you know, exactly. where you, ha- you can only give one task. I can't say go get your socks and your shoes and your backpack. Mm-hmm. One of it's our like, tr- go upstairs. Are you upstairs? Get your socks yep. on. <laughs> yep. Let me know when you have your socks on. Did you put your socks on? Are your socks on your feet? Right. Like 12 times. Exactly. Put your socks on your feet. <laughs> standing with the socks on her hand. Oh, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Usually no. we're just staring in a mirror. <laughs> I wonder where she gets that from. No, she gets that from me. I'm super and like narcissistic. <laughs> that is hilarious. And it's, it's so, it's so funny. And it's fun because I've learned to, to, uh, be okay with who she is, mm-hmm. be okay with who she is, how she is. Um, because she, ha- like I said, she can forget something in 13 seconds, but guarantee you, we play this game where like my husband will play like a snippet of like Disney songs. She knows like 99% of them. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I'm like, I know that stuff can stick. Mm-hmm. And so we just, we just, she is treated like every other child in our family. Um, I raise all of them on the Montessori style living. So because 
I just don't have time to like, (laughs) to like be like, okay, let's make sure we do this. No, no, no. You know how to get your bowl in the morning. You know how to put your cereal in it. You know how to, you know how to make your bagel. Like they are like on it. My four-year-old will make my two-year-old a bagel with some cream cheese and a heartbeat. (laughs) Um, I really teach them independence because what I found is that when you have a child with special needs, the key is to give them as much independence as possible because that really helps promote their confidence because, you know, they're, they're already feeling like in their little minds. And of course I'm just imagining, but they're already feeling like, wow, there's so much stuff that I'm just not, this is not easy for me. This is really hard. And even simple things like uh, she went to physical therapy and it wasn't until later, probably last year where she was able to do a one-for-one walking up steps because she would always have to like walk yes. up step and the other, foot, another foot. walk up another step and the other foot hits a step. And we have a townhouse. So do you know how long that takes when we're trying to get out the door? Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I, I don't want to, I don't want to fuss at you. Cause I know you're, you're trying to get it and your depth perception is off. And I'm like, can you just hurry up? Like your, your two-year-old sister just ran past you. Come on now. Like, <laughs> like let's just, let's just do this. And it really took me to be like, okay, for her, I have to let her know, hey, we're going to the car now, despite the fact that I know it's going to take me another 10 minutes to get mm-hmm. everyone else ready. So that I give her that independence to be able to function at her speed that works for her. And then it helps our whole house not feel frustrated yes. because I, I don't I don't play that. Oh, I can't do it. You can do it. You can do it. And I make her say that. I make her say that mantra. So when she's struggling with like reading words and everything like, nope. You're frustrated. I, I see that you're frustrated. Let's do the I can do it dance. And then we like dance for like seven minutes of I can That's do great. it. That's so. <laughs> great. Well, and you know, like we've noticed, I've noticed this and I think it, it, I know I do it. I'm so guilty of it, but it is so easy for if you're struggling with something, if you have a disability or special needs, or if you just struggle with something, you, uh, but I think especially in this community, like I, we've seen it with Eddie someone knows he has difficulty getting up and downstairs instead of just saying, all right, let's go. And now we're on Eddie's timeline. It's well, I'll just pick him up and we'll go. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he's from such a young age. So used to, if he can't do something, it just means I can't do it. So someone will just, I'll say I can't do it. And someone will just jump in and take care of the situation for me that I even now I'm like, it's like a Pavlov's dog. Like I'm trained for him to say, I can't do it. And I'm like, okay, here you go. And I mm-hmm. have to like reset and pull back and say, you know what? Why don't you try that? Like this morning was a huge one. Cause he wanted cereal. We didn't have milk. And he was like, well, what do we have? And I said, pop tarts. And they were like up high. And I was like, well, why don't you get this? I'm busy. We got to get ready mm-hmm. for this episode. I said, why don't you just get that stool and grab those pop tarts? And I look over and he's putting them in the toaster oven. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is he doing? then he calls me down. He's like, I can't get them out. I burned my hand. But I was like, you did it yourself, though. Like, this is huge. Please don't burn your hand again. (laughs) (laughs) We we use a fork. (laughs) Well, on the other side of the spectrum, like I I'm the dad that's like, no, you got to do that yourself. I'm not going to be around all the time and nobody else is going to be around all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like, um, well, the most recent thing is, you know, like our nighttime uh Bathroom routine. bathroom routine it's like you know so it would be getting helping him get situated um in the beginning and then helping him get situated at the end and i'm just like no you're you're eight years old there's no yeah, like eight, i don't eight, other eight you. i think i said it to him once other eight-year-olds wipe their own butt 
Yeah. So you can wipe your own. <laughs> and uh, he was like, I can't I, do like, it. Of course, I like pulled a big daddy, you know, um, reference out. I'm like, you're eight years old. Wipe your own ass, man. Like, <laughs> I wipe my own ass. And so and I was like, you can say that too if you want, but like whatever's going to make you, you know, I need that. You need that independence. I don't even need that. Like he does. And like so. the first couple times, I think he's very apprehensive or he'll say, I can't do it. And he does it. It's a struggle and he's irritated and he's frustrated. But then once he, fi- it snap, you see that kind of light bulb, like switch go off and they, they figure it out and now it's just a thing they can do. They just want, they're just doing it. Yeah. There's yes, no more yeah. like, this is hard for me. And it probably is difficult, whether it's mentally difficult. Sometimes things are just hard for him to connect mm-hmm. the process. Like it's like, okay, I have to get on a school stool and then reach a thing and to connect all those steps are difficult. I can see his brain really trying to work it out. But once he's done it a couple of times, it's like, he's not even yeah. thinking about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that even with her teachers at school, I literally have to have this exact conversation. With oh, them. we do too. I say, I say, Aria will do as much as you make Aria do. Right. When you start doing <laughs> it for them, it, she will sit there and watch you do it for yes. her. <laughs> we always say Eddie is cute and charming. Don't let it fool you. Cause they're every oh, IEP meeting. It. Yeah, every IEP meeting, they're like, he's so adorable. He's so funny, so charming. I'm like, he's, he's using not, you. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how many times of the week are you getting him his stuff out of his cubby? How many times? And they're like, oh, well, we do that a couple times. I'm like, why? He can get up mm-hmm. and walk to the cubby because it's also affecting his social skills. Mm-hmm. If he's the kid that someone's always taking care of in the classroom, it's going to do one of two things. Either the other peers are going to treat him like the baby and he's already half the size of everyone in the class. So he's just the little guy and he wants to feel like the big tough guy. And he's not going to feel like that if all the kids are treating, treat, treating him like the little kid in the class or he's going to, they're going to do that. And these peers are going to look at him like, well, why don't I get attention? And he's getting mm-hmm. this. Sp- and I would prefer that he just blends in. He's going to stick out enough throughout mm-hmm. life. Let's just let him blend in and let him choose where he wants to stand out right. on his own. I love that. And that's so important to let them come into their own. Yes. And it's, it's interesting because so I am the type of I'm the mom that says, you know what? All of you guys know how to do something. You watched me do it and now go do it. And so she is she is the, she is part of that system. And if there's something that she can't do, then I allow her younger sister, who's four, they work together. And so so she's getting that she's getting that peer to peer interaction where someone someone her age is helping her instead of always trying to come to the adult to fix something or to figure something out. Right. And my husband, on the other hand, though, because <laughs> <laughs> he has all girls. Right. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So he's like, no. She can't put on her shoe. Let me just do it for her. I'm like, dude, she just put on her shoe in 13 seconds when I told her she can ride her scooter. (laughs) That's exactly what it's like in this household, just opposite. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah, I mean, I want Andy to have his independence, but Bella... Man, that's my little pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, yeah if that's you, what he says. He's if like, you hurt her, like, I'll murder you. Like, you know, it's it's kind of like that. I'm like, I, I why are you doing things for a 12 year old? She's basically a teenager. Oh, she can do these things by herself. Do you want to get? Do you want me to get the free? Yeah. Do you, you want, want me? To, you want a Shirley Temple? I'm like, do you want to brush her hair for her? Like, she's fine. <laughs> you want to? I, ta- I taught her how to ride a scooter last month. Right. Um, and so, you know, she had on her knee pads, her elbow pads, her, <laughs> her helmet. She was ready to go. But remember, I told you her gait is very unsteady. So like she would like 
put the scooter in between her legs and then still walk <laughs> down, down the street. Eddie used to do and, that. And so my husband was like, no, she's fine. Cause it's really making her nervous. And I was like, she's getting on that scooter. And so, like, so, you know, I keep showing her how to get on the scooter, showing her how to get on the scooter. So eventually she gets it and she's getting the hang of it. And she makes her first corner turn after she's like feeling all confident and she falls. Mm. So my husband <laughs> is like darting down the street to go catch her. <laughs> and I literally like grab his arm and I'm like, don't go get her. Yeah. I'm like, all right, get up, brush it off. All right, go try it again. <laughs> I'm like, if you go get her, you're going to make her feel that something has happened that was scary. Yes. Leave her alone. And she got up and she kind of had that look like she was waiting for us to give her the cue on how she should act. And I was like, you did so awesome turning that corner. Yes. <laughs> we had a double set same, similar experience yesterday. We went out, we were out in the woods and there was like this rock, like I say cliff. It's not a cliff. Man, it, it's a, it's all you're ledge. You're a mom. You're a mom. Yeah. Everything's a cliff. It's a very <laughs> small rock ledge. It's like a formation, rock formation. And he, it was definitely pretty steep. Like I wouldn't have been able to climb down it. And he was like, I'm going to go down that. And I was like, you're definitely not that's really like steep and you're gonna fall like it was a far far fall and eddie's like he's fine i'm like what are you doing slide on his butt and everything so they like made a joke to him as he was just starting at the top of it they were like you could just slide on your butt down it and then boop his feet went underneath him on accident and he just slid like halfway down then he got to the bottom he climbed the rest of the way and at the bottom he goes i'm gonna climb back up and we were like, okay. And it was straight like rock climbing up this thing. And he, I mean, he can't even feel his feet. And here he is like positioning his feet and trying to get them. And he slipped a couple times. And at one point he slipped and he was just holding on by his hands. And Eddie was be- like right below him. And Eddie's like, you got it. And I'm like, just like, do pick this. Him up, pick just- him up. I'm like, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> right. I like, put my foot underneath his foot. I'm just like, here, shove him. push off my foot. You're fine. Get your and knee he- up. And it took him a second. He like waited there and looked at both of us like, Who's going to help me? Mm-hmm. And he kept saying, I'm falling, I'm falling. And Eddie was like, find a place to put your foot and grab with your hands. And he kind of just waited a second and then he did it and he got up the rest of the way. And he was so excited that he completed something like that. And he's like, I'm going to do it again. And we were like, oh, no. Well, that <laughs> like we're, we're in a bunch of trails. We have a little side by side, like take it off road and stuff. And so mm-hmm. there's um, these hill climbs that are for like, you know, buggies and Jeeps and stuff, too. It, it's a large array yeah, like a of Jeep different... drives up this thing and he's yeah. like trying to climb it. So then he's like darts past us going to the next hill. He's like, I'm going to climb this one, too. And it's like we're like sitting there talking, eating lunch and stuff. And then he's like, look at guys. And he's like at the top of this huge hill. I'm like, yeah, see. She's like, oh, like you see the fear in this one's eyes, but I'm just like, he's fine. Like, that's the thing. It's like, she's like, what if he falls and cracks his head? I was like, that's how you learn. <laughs> Maybe not that you're, you're helping them so much because especially when you have kids who have a difficulty processing information, if you immediately start doing things for them, you don't help those synapses really connect. Yes. And so even if it takes a little bit more time, like I always say, it used to be really frustrating. It used to be because I'm like, I can do this in like 13 seconds. It's like, yes, but I'm not the one who's struggling with it. Like, I know that I can do it. It let them have that the gratification that they can do something. Mm-hmm. And then if they truly cannot, then, OK, yes, we as parents, we step in and we walk them through it and we help them. But to allow them to try and to allow them to sometimes fail. Yep. I think that's so important because you don't want them to feel like their first failure in his life is like when they're like 23 years old and their Internet girlfriend breaks up with them. Like, right. <laughs> you're like you're, you want them to, you want them to know what what failure is while they have while they have that net of safety um, in us as parents. So I think it's really important to really just allow them just to explore and to be who they are 
Because we know at the end of the day, like if he really started slipping down that that rock climbing scaling wall, that that dad was going to catch him. Like dad wasn't going to be like, I'm stepping out of the way. (laughs) That's a far fall. (laughs) (laughs) Like like. We're going to be there and we as parents really have to give ourselves, give ourselves that grace to know that, you know, even if they fail at something and they look at us and they're like, why did you let me do that? We know in our heart of hearts that we're only training them to be more successful as they get up there. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good point. Like the fact to even just. And like, I know Eddie would be there to catch him, but even just saying that out loud, I think it's a big deal. We live in a culture where everybody's mistake is right there on the internet. You make one mistake, everyone's, if one parent makes a mistake with a child and something happens, you see it all the time, like, you know, and it's all, there's sometimes they're tragic, but you know, anything, things just happen and a kid gets hurt and it's right on the internet for everyone mm-hmm. to judge their situation. And it's going to be like, don't, there's so many times where we just can't judge another parenting fail, which is really, it's mm-hmm. just like, we we make billions of them throughout their, yeah. their, their life, you know, like we're going to have, Tons of parenting fails. I, before you have kids, you're like, I'm going to do it different than my parents. No, there's, I, I say it all the time. I'm like, both of our parents probably made mistakes, probably did things right. We won't know till we're done and our kids are grown, which yeah. ones we yeah. did right. And which ones we did wrong. Like you just do, I can't judge other people's. I just have to make choices based on my gut and go from there. And someone else is going to do the same with their family. And I don't know their, their way is not wrong. Right. right. And, and, and with that, too, I think it's really important for moms who are struggling with, you know, if your child does have special needs and, you know, you're struggling with how do I feel when I'm, you know, feeling judged when I go on social media, you know, you go on these, you go on these mommy boards and oh. they're like, my, my daughter has been walking since she was six months old, you know, <laughs> and, and that can really like pull at you because you're like, well, I'm somehow failing at motherhood yes. or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I even struggled with that when, you know, I would go to the go to the park and my three year old couldn't walk across the play bridge. And I would literally have kids be like, what are you saying? I can't understand you. Why are you drooling? Because, you know, kids can be yeah. ruthlessly honest. Yeah. And and I would also see like the looks of parents and they'd be looking like, um, come on over here and play on this other side because they would feel uncomfortable. Yes. And and. I, I just learned that I can't take that and in, and in internalize that and feel like it's somehow my fault. Yes. Instead, what I can do is say, you know what, you're having trouble. I'm about to jump on this jungle gym too. And we're gonna do this together. And and be okay with you being enough for for your for your special needs child because they are special. That's the whole point. Um, each one of our children, they're special in their own ways. And whether you need to have help medically to assess what those specialties are, the key is you can raise them the way they need to be raised if you just focus on you and your family yes. and right. not on like the barrage of, you know, what society says should be the perfect child. Oh yeah. Right. And a lot, of, and I'm, I'm a true believer that like a lot of, like I was on those mommy groups too. And I just feel like a lot of times I'd have to stop and think and go, your kid's walking at six months old. Is your kid walking at six months old? Or is your kid standing <laughs> at the couch? Yeah. And it's you're, called cruising. Yeah, yeah. They're and you're like, like taking side steps. my child can walk. Or like, you know, I remember we did this with Eddie and I was like, why did I do that? Like, he was like three months. He was very, he was a very early like talker. He was like three months old. And he had like, sa- a sound came out of him that sounded like dada. 
<laughs> and I was like, he says daddy now. He already is talking. He's talking at three months old. And everyone was like, I don't think he's speaking. And I was like, he talks at three months. And that was like my brag for like a year. And then I was like, why am I doing that? He talked when he talked. Like he talks. Who cares? When he started talking. He just is talking now. That's all that's important. Same with walking. Like He won't shut up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted him to talk so bad. You definitely got your wish. But like same thing with like God. he was like two and a half before he walked independently. And, you know, there's so much pro- everything on all these every commercial. It's like your child's first steps. And it's gonna be like none of those parents even give a crap that their child's their other took a first steps. Great. Okay, moving on. The difference between someone who now you have to keep watching that happen and mm-hmm. then your child isn't walking till they're two and a half independently. One, what that feels like. But two, for us, that milestone is huge. Mm-hmm. Like it really is a map to this day. I can tell you exactly where it was, how it was. But I guarantee you any other parent whose child took their first steps. They're like, oh, yeah, I think it was around this time. I'm like, but you probably made a big deal about it when it happened. When it happened. <laughs> so if it's not that integral to their life and their development, then why are you putting it out there for everyone else to feel like they haven't caught up to you? Like it just is, let's just take the big things and let the big things be big and let's live, you know, through our kids' lives. And I am guilty of doing it, but I feel like I do it in the opposite. I'm more like, Oh, finally we're there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every time we hit a milestone because I've seen the struggle he's gone through to get to that point. And like, there's, it's really hard to explain. Like if you only knew the year struggle he went through to get to climbing up that mountain, like, which is not a mountain, the the rock, but (laughs) it's huge. It's a metaphorical mountain. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So to switch gears back a little bit, um, Working in your specialty with perinatal mood disorders, um, do you see a significant amount of, or do you see a difference in, you know, pe- pe- mothers who have typical, typical quote unquote, I just, we're not super politically correct, but, you know, typical children or children with special needs, do you see a difference or is it something that can just affect anyone, you know, however? I will tell you uh, the stress of parenting in general is 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 there, um, and I don't really see a lot of difference between those who have children with special needs and those who are just like WTF. This is yeah. my first kid, and like, what do you mean I don't get a date night anymore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. That actually feels good. I feel like as a special needs parent that went through it both times, more the first time when we didn't have a special needs child, but. To know that like this can this it's just overwhelming and this Mm -hmm. is difficult. It's just overwhelming because like, you know, for me, I, I was having the struggle of, you know, I don't, I don't know how to get her to crawl. I don't know how, you know, she's about to be one years old and she's not crawling. Mm -hmm. But then I, I, I deal with parents who are like, I can't get my baby to sleep in her own crib. And like for them, that is stressful. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that you have to understand that what your, what your stress point is, is not what your neighbor's stress point is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's some people, you know, the hardest thing they've ever had to do in their life to another person is like, really that's the hardest thing you've ever had to do in your life but to them that's their that's their struggle and you know I feel like when especially if you have a child with special needs know that just because you're feeling stressed and you're feeling overwhelmed it doesn't mean that you you should sit there and ruminate over oh the grass would be so much greener on the other side like if my child didn't have special needs I wouldn't have to deal with this or I wouldn't have to you know have to struggle with this 
No, but you probably would have to struggle with something else. Yeah. Because exactly. No matter what, a seven-year-old is a seven-year-old. Like my, <laughs> my seven-year-old who, you know, two years ago could only say a hundred words is like now a chatterbox. And like, she beats me at debates about one time she needs to go to bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm like, you're not even using those words in context, but you're talking. So keep going. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, we really have to like stop and take a step back and just realize that, one, if you're feeling stressed out and you're feeling overwhelmed, have that person, like have that, have somebody that you can talk to, you know, your mom, your sister, you know, your partner, yourself in the shower. That's where I get my best advice from. You know? <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. I feel you. We can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you agree. <laughs> you must agree. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, just, just find some way that you can really have that outlet. And the most, most, most important thing. For every mom, but especially those who have children with special needs, take time for yourself. Like, don't forget about yourself because we so often do. Right. I know <laughs> I you're looking at me. <laughs> you know, because this has been a conversation. Well, you know many, what? I think that is good advice because it, the, I think the harder thing is like putting that into action because I know you become a, you know, for lack of better words, like a warrior mom, you end up on mm -hmm. this journey of fight, fight, go, go. What do I have to do next? What do I have to take care of next? Who do I have to take care of next? And when you're doing that regularly yeah. for such a long period of time, it is really hard. And that's any mom. That's not a parent with special needs. Like any mm -hmm. mom, the minute you birth that child, you're, you're in, I got to protect this kid. Because you were protecting that baby for nine months in your belly. And now the baby's out for anyone else to kind of <laughs> touch, hold, be a part of their life. Something could happen to them at any point. So your life just becomes like warrior. I have to take care of you. I have to take care of my husband. I take care of my other kids. I take care of whatever. And as you, life goes on, you just keep, you don't stop. You're just like, what's next? Who am I taking care of next? What am I mm -hmm. taking care of next? And I think that, you know, is just probably you know, in our blood as females, it's just what we are ingrained to do. I probably don't know another female that doesn't on some level do that. And when you do that, it's just really hard to just go, I have to stop now and be self the words that it's really to be selfish in a positive way, but mm -hmm. you feel guilt no matter what choices you make. But then like, in my opinion, I feel like I'm being selfish mm -hmm. by not, not, really enforcing that you should, you need that time. I get that time. Yeah. I need that time. And you tell me I need that time. Yeah. But then it's like, that's kind of the thing where I'm like, you need that time too. How it's hard. You told me I need it. Cause you do lose so your sense you of it? self. So it's hard to stop and go, well, what would I like to do? Right. You all right. of a sudden like, don't know what you like anymore. <laughs> you worry about what the real This is the time where, where you have to put down your warrior weapon and you have to, especially when you're, when you're in this amazing partnership, um, because you know, you, I haven't seen you throw anything at him this whole thing. So, <laughs> so oh man, you missed it 20 no. minutes before this <laughs> meeting started. Holy crap. That's why my husband doesn't get to be on camera. <laughs> Wipe that eye off. You're fine. But, <laughs> but, um, that's why it's so important to listen to your partner. And if you're going to tell, if you tell him that he needs to mow the lawn, and he begrudgingly goes and, and mows the lawn, then you too have to be able to do that same thing. When he tells you to go take self care, go shave your legs. Like, <laughs> yeah. No way. Know, go, I, I go shave take, take that self care. Like it's so important. Yeah. It's so important to be intentional and to, to do something, you know, 
sometimes my husband tells me, okay, you know what? You need some time. I can tell you're a little bit stressed. Go ahead. Especially in this whole COVID thing. Cause let me tell you, oh. like, I, I teach them all day and I'm home all day. And then I have to work. I work from 10 to 2 AM, 10 oh. PM to 2 AM. Cause that's the only time I have work. Cause yeah. he, still, he still has to go to the hospital every day. And so it's interesting. Cause he's like, go take a break. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go upstairs and fold the laundry. And he's like, or not, or why don't like, you go outside yeah. and go, go drink a glass of wine? Like, yes. something that's actually relaxing. And so sometimes I have to be like, okay, I need to listen to him because yeah. what I feel like is, you know, me taking time to myself is actually me just going to do some more work that, that I'm like, I need to take care of this. And he's like, that's not the point of self-care. Mm-hmm. Go sit down, go take a bath, go like, go for a walk, do something that is for you. And that's not work. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, it's, you think, oh, I have a moment and I've been looking at that laundry. I, all that guilt starts to set in. You're like, I got to take care of that laundry. I got to do this. I do that. And then I trick myself into saying, oh, I feel better now because I did the laundry, Mm -hmm. but really I feel better ish because something's at least in better order. You just feel more comfortable that something's got accomplished in the house. The house is cleaner and stuff. But self care is like a huge thing. And then, you know, I think you said it well when you said like it, it's necessary to do it. And I think once you do it, you are ta- you're then still taking care of everybody in the house. Because if I'm not in that position, I'm irritable. I'm snapping at everyone, which is then setting off everybody, everybody. in the house. It's not productive for anybody. Nope. And then if I get some self-care and I feel better mentally and, you know, even if it's a half an hour or an hour, I go have a drink with a friend at a restaurant or something. Now I come back in a much more relaxed mindset and I can focus on what everyone needs to say and what everyone needs for me. Now they're better and I'm better. So exactly. I'm still taking care of them, even though I feel like I'm only taking care of me and being selfish. I can't wait for Absolutely. you to start doing this. Yeah, I know. I say it. It's easier. It sounds said. so it's great. Like a therapy session. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so next week, same time. No. <laughs> but no, really. So like, I, I really challenge anybody who is, who is, you know, just being a mom, just like going through, going through the motions of doing all of this stuff, this journey that we have in our lives to really be intentional about your self-care, like pay attention to it. Like, you know how you schedule these podcasts or you schedule a, a meeting at work, schedule time for yourself and, and make it intentional and say, I'm going to give myself this amount of time. And whatever I do is not going to be something that I would normally do when I'm in the chaos of my house. So, you know, finding for Mother's Day, I told my husband, I was like, make me a cup of coffee, meet me in the closet and give it to me. I'm going to read a book for 45 minutes oh, like, in my closet. Great. Like, <laughs> don't tell the kids <laughs> I'm in here. <laughs> like, yes. So like, he's sneaking coffee like upstairs and like <laughs> passing it through the thing. I'm like, hey, you good? Like, so that's, but that was my way of, you know, being able to really take that time to myself, read a book that I really wanted to read. I didn't have to read Good Night Moon for the 50 million time, you know? (laughs) I got to read something that I wanted to read with adult words. And it made me feel good. Good night, I know that book. Our favorite one is Go the F to Sleep. Yes. Some days that is just... But you know the great thing about the the 21st century? 
Alexa now reads Good Night Moon to my kids. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Little Eddie's <laughs> favorite thing is Alexa. Kids version, and it is like a godsend because I'm just like, oh, guys, when you guys want to read, you want to listen to this to the rabbit who doesn't want to fall asleep. And then Alexa, can you go? Ahead? Yes. <laughs> well, and the work the be- Little Eddie is obsessed with it, but he is now. I can't say it too loud because we have one in this room, and it's just going to start talking if I say the words. <laughs> but he has. Figure, creatively figured out that he can ask it to fart and it will fart for like a straight hour. It will do like fart songs. And then it tells you like the classification of yeah, like the what fart. kind of fart it was. Like and when it's like, right, like that's a cheeky it. fart. Like there's he, so it's, it's all so day. Funny. We'll just be, and he'll set it so he can get it to do it so that it'll start in like 10 minutes. So he'll do it. And then we walk in the room and we're just like, you know, doing the dishes. And all of a sudden there's just fart noises, like random. <laughs> And he's giggling in the corner. I'm like, oh, constantly. And then he's like, Alexa, what is this, 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 and this? He has like all these questions for it. Like random questions that are like not even, but I'm like, whatever. It's like when I was a kid, I just picked up an encyclopedia and opened it to whatever page. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> but you know, you should be grateful for the Alexa because if he wasn't asking Alexa, him and dad would like be in the corner yes. making fart, fart challenges. So luckily. <laughs> Which, oh, so I taught no, him how no, to no, do no. <laughs> Uh, do the armpit thing so that's pretty fun no that's exactly what would happen or he would be instead of asking her everything he'd be asking us which mm-hmm. in turn he still just tells us about it he's like well you know what i learned today and i'm like well good i'm glad let's alexa talk about it 35 said, more times like this alexa yeah. oh. i can't believe it hasn't said what can i help you with exactly <laughs> so you know to kind of wrap it up um i'm actually really curious what what techniques do you use with mothers that are going through postpartum that have children with special needs disability? Do you have any like you know, I think it's as much as it affects anyone, I feel like if you I know for myself, there's that element of like my body failed me or I failed my child because even though there's two of us to make a child and it takes both of our genetics. I carried that baby for, I created that baby in my belly. I grew it. So then I have a lot, I had a lot of guilt of mm-hmm. I, my body failed me. Right. And so I think that probably had a lot to do with the anxiety and depression that came after we had him. And I was on go mode. So I wasn't even in a place to even take care of wherever my head was at. Do you have any specific techniques to help mothers and special needs diagnosis or especially early, I would say people that get a diagnosis early. Absolutely. One of the biggest uh, techniques I utilize is called cognitive reframing. So basically learning how to reframe what you're thinking uh, and not changing your not changing your thoughts, but really thinking of them in a different way. So to the mother who, you know, has just realized that her child was diagnosed, you know, with, uh, autism and they're they're devastated because they're like oh my goodness my child is always going to have this this diagnosis on them and they're never going to go to college and I've somehow failed as a mother I will have to always you know follow them everywhere they Mm -hmm. go instead reframe that and say that my child has autism I know now 
as, as opposed to not knowing. And these are the things that I can do for them. And I am going to be helping him or her to succeed in life because I am going to be advocating for them. I'm going to be that voice for them and I'm going to teach them to have that voice for themselves. Um, so really just changing the way that we think about things and realizing that even if we get we get something that's devastating news to us in the moment, we can take that and we can still allow our children to thrive the way that they can thrive. Um, and I always, I always tell people that whether, even if your child never walks their entire life, if you have a child that's never able to walk, you can still teach them confidence. I've, I've watched people with no limbs, no limbs be able to function on their own and have that confidence. Mm-hmm. I've watched six-year-olds be able to walk through their school completely blind because they were taught that confidence from their parents. Yeah. So you can teach your child to to do what they need to do to feel to feel as independent as possible. And the biggest thing is independence. And when it comes to their emotional state as a parent, I like to really work with people with grounding grounding yourself in the moment and not feeling so overwhelmed because when you're a mom of a special needs child, you're always thinking like seven years down the line. Like you see, you see the situation that your child is going through now and you're saying, Oh my goodness, when they're 15, they're not going to know how to wipe their butt. Like you're you're so stuck in that moment and, and you take that and you immediately throw it all the way down like half a decade. Mm -hmm. And so what I teach them to do is ground yourself in this moment. Stay in this moment with your child and realize just like when you had that other situation when they were six months old and, you know, maybe they had to get a major surgery and now they're six years old Mm -hmm. and they've been able to to they're better now. They're better now. They're they're able to thrive now more than you ever thought they were when they were six months old, six months old. So staying in that moment is so important because we can easily overwhelm ourselves and we can take ourselves, we can create a larger form of depression in our minds just because we follow ourselves down into these dark places. And once you get down into a dark place, you refuse all help. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's almost like our nature. It's like now it's dark and it's cold and it's lonely. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to hug my le- my knees and I'm not going to move yeah. because I've, I've created this for myself. So I somehow deserve to be down here. Yeah. Yes. So, so really, really trying to keep yourselves out of those steps. And if you do find yourself in those steps, I'm telling you, and I tell all the people that I work with, simply just put your hand up in the air. Yeah. When you're in school and they tell you, if you have a question, raise your hand. I tell people that if you're feeling major depression, if you're feeling major anxiety, put your hand up. Why? Because there's always someone up there who is willing to to help you. And sometimes we don't see that when we're in the darkest, deepest places. But the person who's looking in can really see that you need the help. And all they're asking you to do is put your hand up and they will pull you out. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's a great metaphor. It makes me think like I heard a similar one where it was, you know, that deep, dark hole you think you are in probably isn't that deep down. Mm-hmm. So putting your hand up, someone can probably see your hand. You know, like you're not that far into the hole. It's just dark to you. You don't mm-hmm. know what's above you. And, you know, reaching up for help, it is hard. I mean, I know I'm probably, and especially when you are one of those like warrior parents and you're on the, you're the one taking care of everybody. So it's a lot harder to say, well, now I need something. It's almost impossible, impossible. You know, I mean, you have to find that like one person in your life that just kind of is a support system. 
I mean, and I think people think that there's <laughs> no, not you. No, <laughs> But I think like people think their support system needs to be their spouse or their parent or whatever. And it's helpful if you have that. But if you don't have that, it doesn't mean you can't have a support system. I think, you know, you just need to find the right person that's out there. And sometimes you don't realize that they're there looking like to help you. Absolutely. it's It's so hard to take just like that first step and and go from, man, I'm in this really dark place to man, I really need help getting out of this really dark place. Mm-hmm. And, right. and that's, those are huge steps. It's easy to say it, but to really go ahead and take that first small step, um, it's really difficult. But once you do, and you actually have someone in your corner that can really help guide you out of that place that is not healthy and that is harming your everyday functions, you will definitely feel such a burden lifted off of you. And then you can continue to be that warrior mom that your child needs. Yep. Because if you, if you're not there, if you're not there, you know, physically, emotionally, if you're not there mentally, you can't be the warrior that they need in their lives. That's awesome. This is like the best like therapy session ever. We're going to leave here and be like, wow. This is, I was, we needed this one. I couldn't talk like two minutes ago. I started like tearing so up. I'm going to give you guys homework. So Okay. I'm not going to end up doing it because I'm just a procrastinator on everything. And I'll be so, like, you need to do your homework. Yeah. So we'll just no, stress her out more. <laughs> so, no, but, but what I, what I really, I really challenge you guys to do. Um, so first of all, you know, self-care, 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 yes. self-care. Very important. I cannot stress that enough. The importance of self-care, right? <laughs> like self-care needs to be done, needs to be done. Um, but then also, also, I, I challenge you to really just enjoy that grounding. Put yourself in that, in this present time. And like the next time, the next time your kids do something like really just like sit back and really take it all in and, and really just like, put that into your memory bank of just like amazingness, like in this moment, because when you look back, you know, maybe like two years ago, you're, you'll probably be like, wow, I never thought that we would be in this place at this moment. Like look at them throw popcorn at each other. Like, this is so amazing. Like, (laughs) like really, really take it all in because each moment is just so important and so precious, especially when we're dealing with special needs children that you know, when we first found the diagnosis, our first thought was they'll never be able to do exactly what they're doing in this moment. Mm-hmm. Right. That's huge. Well, I've always been very optimistic, like a, a very, very optimistic <laughs> yeah. person. And You're so, definitely the grounding one in the situation. Well, because that's the, that's always been my my kind of go to like um, because we all battle with I, I battle tremendously with anxiety. And mm-hmm. so like for me, it is like I have to take that moment. I have to. Mm-hmm. I have to bring myself down. I have to be connected and know that this moment's happening right now, but it's not going to be forever. This is just one thing. And there's going to be another stage after and another stage after. And I think Kristen, like, I love you, but no, I'm the, I'm you the, struggle so hard with that. You're like, this is it. Now it's never going to happen. Yeah. We're never going to have kids. We're Everything never going to get blows up We're in never going to own a home. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well the kids are upstairs and you know, we're, we're uh, <laughs> okay. in our house. But those are the things that like, I, I feel like have made us strong and stuff, but it's been, it is, it is uh, like, I still feel like I constantly have work to do on myself. And you know, Kristen does, you definitely need to take that time. Like you yeah, need some for sure. self-care time. Yes. 
Sorry. I, I will. Oh, I'm so glad we had this conversation. <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at after this meeting. Couples therapy. I'm loving the communication. Fantastic. <laughs> like, and it's, and it's so beautiful to be able to, to hear this, this yin yang, because that's so important to really know what your strengths are and to know that the, the person who's supporting you, what their strengths are so that you guys can really, you know, thrive off of one another. So if there's things that you're struggling with, you have that person in your ear saying, you better go take a bubble bath and shave those legs. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's great to have that person telling you. And then on the other end, you also have somebody that tells you that, you know, I, I can, I can be able to feel great if I'm just sitting here making cookies with everyone in my family, like that also makes me feel good. Like I don't always have to go isolate myself. Yep. Sometimes right. just having that medium of saying, this is really emotionally like wealth, well-being for me, for us to all like sit together and, you know, roll out some dough and make some cookies. Yes. I mean, I also roll out some other dough and make millions, but <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So tell us a little bit just about your podcast that you have, the premise yes. of it and kind of what you've got going with that. Absolutely. So I recently started a podcast. It's called The Well, A Mother's Journey. And so this podcast is pretty much a lot like what we're talking about right now. It's it's everyday average women sharing their stories about childbirth and about motherhood, about the struggles that they've had. And then we also deal a lot with, you know, bringing guests on, you know, other providers and OBGYNs and, and people who are who are experts in the field to talk about a lot of the perinatal mood disorders that we as women go through that we may not even realize that we're going through. Yeah. Um, sometimes people have never heard of, you know, of certain issues that they're going through and they they're like, wait, this sounds like what I'm, wait a minute, there's something that called, that's called baby blues and it's different than postpartum depression. So like, how does that work? And I have, I have a voice when I'm giving birth and it's, it's amazing how many stories I've heard of women who say that they didn't know that they could say no when yes. they were in the delivery room. Like you don't have to do everything that the doctor tells you just yeah. because they say, Oh, we're about to take you back for a C-section. You have a, you have a chance to say time out. Why? Can I know yeah. more information before you put that needle in me? What, what are you giving me? And, you know, so, and that will really help you to create that power. So we talk about all of that in our podcast, just about the voice and the power and the strength of women as we go on this journey, because, you know, you hear the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Yeah. Well, it also takes a village for us to be strong women. And, and that village includes our spouses and our partners and our family and our friends and our children and each other, because no matter what, what walk of life we come through, come from, you know, motherhood is motherhood. Motherhood yes. is stressful and it's tiring and it's taxing, but it can also be beautiful. And, and you can learn so much about yourself as you journey through journey through those pieces of life. Oh, I'm excited. That's awesome. So <laughs> that is the well, a mother's journey. Oh, yeah. unplug that in. Is that on everything too. like Instagram? Um, Instagram. Yes. It's on Spotify. So it's, it's, yeah. So, um, we have it. It's on iHeartRadio and all that buzzsprout, all that, wherever you find your podcast. Right. <laughs> it's, it's I know it's a whole business trying to get it on everything. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So we asked this to all our guests, although this whole interview, I feel like has been a massive amount of great advice. Yeah. Um, but we ask all our guests, if you had 30 seconds to speak to our community, what advice would you give them? I would say simply be okay with not being okay. And understand that there are times in our lives, uh, whether we have kids, whether we don't have kids and we're just thinking about having kids that 
we're going to struggle. Um, whether you have special needs child or whether you have a quote unquote child with no issues, um, you're going to struggle. So be okay with not being okay and being okay for reaching out when you need that helping hand, because I guarantee you, you'll never reach your hand out and feel as if there's not anyone there to grab you. The key is to find the resources, to find the people. Uh, therapy can help. Family and friends can help. Taking a walk can help. Opening your curtains can help. Really, really take that time to find what you need and then ask for it. Awesome. That's great. I'm so this is my favorite episode. Don't tell, don't tell everybody else. For a long time. <laughs> I'm the favorite kid. <laughs> I feel like we connected. Um, so you got the podcast and then tell us again, what is the website for... Is it the practice or what you had it yes, said it in so, the beginning? So you wrote it a I am, bit I'm located in the Maryland, D.C. and Virginia area. Okay. So the name of our website is uh, postpartumwell.com. Okay. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram and all that fun, fun space stuff. Um, so we really, even if, even if you're not from the DMV area and you're looking for resources, please come over to our website, let us know, ask the questions and we can help you find the resources in your area because there are, there are people everywhere nationwide who are really trying to help mothers dealing with things, especially if you're having, you know, if you're really struggling with things with parenting and, and how to kind of go through this journey. So postpartumwell.com, definitely go in there, ask the question that you need. And then, like I said, the well, a mother's journey. Uh, you can also go to the well, a mother's journey at gmail.com. If you want to send me an email if you have questions if you're looking for resources like we, we just gotta we, we have to be that community to help yeah. one another Absolutely. awesome awesome well we really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us and giving us our little therapy session that we clearly needed today yeah. <laughs> the check is in the mail <laughs> that was covered by insurance your insurance <laughs> there we go see <laughs> Thank you, Tia. I appreciate it. <laughs> so you've been an awesome guest. We really appreciate you having on. Everyone go check out all the sites. We'll link them on all our social media and on the site with everything. I really appreciate having you. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a great day, Tiana. Thank you. <laughs> you thank as well. You. That was awesome. Thanks so much, Tiana. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please make sure you share with a friend and leave a review. You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode on our Facebook or Instagram on at special about special. Thanks again. And we'll see you soon.